pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, welcome back for the second part of my conversation with my husband, Derek, about technology, soul care, and our kids and teenagers. So if you didn't get to hear our last episode, we talked about a book that we read together called The TechWise Family. And in this podcast episode, we're talking about the nitty gritty of how it's actually going in real life in our home. <laughs> so if you're new to the podcast, I wanted you to know that I'm a licensed counselor. My husband, Derek, who joined me today. Hey, babe. Hey, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, is a computer programmer and game designer. So both of us help people and have some understanding about technology, how it affects people, how it affects our brains and our relationships. So from a professional standpoint, we can a little bit talk about that. And then there's real life as we're raising, count them, four, one, two, three, four boys in a range of ages from 14 (laughs) down to five. And so we have a range of uh, technology issues to deal with at any given at any given point. So I thought it'd be fun if we were honest about what's happening with us. I think each family probably has their own uh, battles when it comes to technology, their own rules and boundaries when it comes to technology. So I definitely want to make sure that nobody thinks that we're coming off as experts or like we've got all the answers or like our family's perfect because they're not. And we are trying to figure this stuff out as we go along. But after a year of pandemic world, I think we'll just start there with, (laughs) I think that might be a good place to start as far as how things have been going in our family. So what would you say you noticed when the pandemic started, when it came to our kids and technology? Did you notice any changes? Well, I'll start off by saying that um, even though I design games for a living, you would think I was like an expert at (laughs) the relationship with with kids and technology, but it's. Uh, I feel like half the time in our family, it's always reactionary. It's yes. Like reacting to what's happening versus like some grand plan about how things should be. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Um, but that, that's an aside, free. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the way our kids act with technology uh, during the pandemic, I think I think a lot of it was just a, a vacuum of like um, a lot of time at home, and and I think having having devices around is the easy easy way to fill up time and so I think that would probably be the the biggest thing to notice is just like the tendency towards um, using devices to try to cure boredom or whatever because mm-hmm. they're not doing things like going to school it's like they're staying at home and doing school for about half the amount of time they normally would and then they've got all afternoon and if it's rainy outside I mean <laughs> uh, I think it's a it's easy to, to to let technology fill fill holes that doesn't need to be filling. So, yes, that makes us sound like we were really awesome before the pandemic. So, <laughs> I think overall, like we used to homeschool, we're not homeschooling this year, but um, overall, our our rule has been our kids can have an hour of screen time a day. But then over time, that became uh, thirty minutes of educational TV time before school which would be like something on pbs kids or like a documentary or something and then an hour in the afternoon but then that became like my 
my brother's doing an hour and I'm waiting. So I'm watching him for an hour and then I'm going to do my hour. And then especially once the pandemic happened and like all of the school stuff got shut down, all the extracurricular stuff got shut down. Like we were working from home. You worked from home anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> I was even working from home some. Then, then we're like, okay, we got to do something, especially on rainy days. What are you going to do? So at first my idea was, okay, well, I'm going to get Disney plus that'll be a fun treat. And so now we've got something new to watch and that'll be fun. So then we were watching some in the morning, some in the afternoon, and then we'd be watching some as a family at night too. And then like, we got rid of that. We got Netflix and they were like getting on and finding stuff to do. Whenever they get bored, they'd ask if they could play on the Wii or, you know, Nintendo or whatever. And so it felt like time was just like adding. So that one hour got expanded and expanded and expanded and, and they would find little cracks and crannies to get even more. And honestly, it was just easy to say yes. Like I said, no, quite a lot. But when I'm making dinner, it's just easier to say yes, because then they're out of my hair and I can like have some peace and quiet. And, and I think all moms and dads can relate to that because that's, that's real. That's real life. So that's kind of what happened. But Derek, I would love if you want to share some of the behavior issues that we started noticing this year and how that may have related to technology or if you thought it did. Um. So I think I think probably where it, it, it kind of compounded and I don't know like all the like you would know more of the psychology here than I would <laughs> but I think it kind of compounded um when it was like school days and they were doing all their schoolwork and then they would have limited time to to do stuff on some device or whatever and um so then they would be fighting about who got to do what and for how long and then even after it was over, like after they're, they're, they'd used up their hour of TV time or whatever, then they were still fighting. And it was, um, there was a lot of, um, I, don't, I, I would say something like um, short-tempered, like easily being, be, being easily aggravated um, uh, coming off of, of the, the screen time. And um, so we were, we're trying to think of ways to, to kind of handle that better. And so I think it was, at one point we're like, you can be on uh, on screen time for an hour, but then you have to go outside and play for an hour. Um, and I mean, that, that works in theory until you don't have time to do the outside time. And I don't know. <laughs> uh, or when it's raining or. Yeah. yeah. So I would say it was coming to a head probably last fall. We were seeing some really, really high behaviors, which. It was not all due to technology because our kids had switched schools and, you know, I think there was a lot of pressure and changes and everybody's had a hard time this year. This has just not been a good year for a lot of people, I think, including our kids, even though they can't talk about it the same way. And so it was not all due to that, but the behaviors were getting really out of control. So enter <laughs> our solution that we came up with. Um, so one day I was listening to a podcast that I really enjoy called The Stories Between Us. It's by Sean Smucker and his wife, Miley Silva. And I love listening to them. They're authors and they they talk about the writing life and about creativity. And even though I'm not writing any novels, I just enjoy listening to them. I usually pull some good wisdom away from what they're talking about and can usually relate to uh, Miley quite a lot. And so they were talking about uh, right around the new year, how they just like, pulled technology because they were seeing some of the same things in their kids. And 
everything has sort of come to a head. So I was listening and I was like, well, that might not be a bad idea, but it seems kind of extreme. And they were saying that um, when they pulled all the technology, they expected some meltdowns. But the kids that really melted down were not even the ones that they were expecting. And so I was thinking, like, man, if we pulled technology away from our kids or set some really hard limits, what would we notice and what would the fallout be? And do I even want to do that? So then um, one evening when our kids were in another room, I I mentioned it to Derek. And I was like, you know, we've been noticing all this stuff. And we've been saying that something needs to change. And today I listened to this podcast and this is what they did. and and they were talking about on the podcast when they did it, that all of a sudden they saw their kids' creativity spike. Like there was a withdrawal period. And then they noticed that their kids were picking up other things to fill up the void, um, like new creative things around the house, which that goes hand in hand with what we talked about on the TechWise Family episode last week. So anyway, when I brought it up to you, what were your thoughts about that? What did you initially think? Um, I, I think I was for it mainly because I was ready to try anything just because it seemed so consistent like the, the it was like technology and behaviors were always happening at the same time mm-hmm. or right after the other and 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 by technology I'm talking about like video games basically yeah <laughs> uh, not just like they weren't only doing a uh, uh, word processing in Google Docs right <laughs> um, but uh, yeah and so I, I was I was I was excited to at least try it like I'm I don't know. I have the tendency to to like to experiment, um, and see see what works and what doesn't. And so I was ready to try something brand new, see if it worked. I and I, I know it's kind of drastic, especially for a kid, um, but but I think I think we did it in a in a good way. Like, and in the end, we weren't really that drastic. Yeah, it was just yeah, <laughs> not say, really. But we, we just took it away for um for weeknights basically, so they could still have their weekends to do stuff. So um, let's be even more specific. So they they have Google Chromebooks that they're using at school. And so our rule was not hard and fast. They can have any screens, but it was on school nights, not on the weekends. On the weekends, they can still play video games or if they have friends over or something, um, they can play with them. But on weeknights, we said, first of all, you have to play for an hour outside when you go home from school. We're not doing any kind of technology for an hour and so that actually has been really, really good. I've seen the fighting go down dramatically since we did that. So I'm really glad. I think that they just need some time to decompress after school and get away from everything and move their bodies and stuff. So I think that's been really good. And then we let them either do PBS Kids, the little guys, not the big, the big ones don't care, or right now media where it's only like safe, healthy things where there's not like a lot of flashing and a lot of fast stuff or whatever that they can watch for a little while before dinner if they want to. And then our five-year-old doesn't get any more TV time for the rest of the night, and then he has to go to bed. Um, and then our older kids, we said that we they can watch a show in the evening times if they're done with all their homework, but it has to be something that the whole family approves. So like you would have done back in the day where you sat down and watched a sitcom together, which nobody does anymore. So we said something like that. Like if they're going to pick a YouTube thing, like they love Dude Perfect, that has to be something that everybody agrees on together and we're going to sit down and watch together. It can't be just like one wants to watch this and another one wants to watch that and whatever. And it's like short and limited and then they go to bed. And what do you think? What have you noticed since then? Oh, we also said that when they do screen time, it has to be either educational or creative. So like our 
nine-year-old has picked up computer programming. He loves to do scratch on his computer. So now I almost feel like we have to limit that because, <laughs> because he would just do that all day and we would let him. But what have you noticed since we set those rules? Well, I think, I think that's one of the, the proudest moments as a, as a um, game developer was <laughs> the first week we, we kind of started enacting these rules uh, and we still let them do stuff on Scratch and stuff. It just they couldn't do the video games. They were like making their own video games. I'm like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there they're, you go. They're 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 like, well, if he's not gonna let us play them, we're gonna make our own and then play those. And I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was that was really awesome. They were making all kinds of of games on on Scratch, and then they're like asking me programming tips about how to do things, and I'm like, go for it, make something, make something awesome. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say as a reality check for anybody who's listening that the fallout from us announcing this, that we were going to do this, was pretty terrible. Like, we got called a bunch of names, and then the next morning when they woke up and they found out that I was still serious, I got called names again, and they got some things taken away from them, and I tried to be reasonable because I knew that they were with, it was withdrawal. I mean, it basically is like, you're going through a withdrawal. I mean, that's what we saw unfold in front of us, and... It's not like it was a one-time event. Like, they're still pushing the limits sometimes, but just not as often anymore, I don't think. So, but I've noticed some pretty awesome improvements, I think. Yeah, our, our, yeah like as Jenny was saying, our nine-year-old, he, he loves getting on Scratch and building things. And I feel like since that point, our oldest has started playing piano a lot more mm-hmm, often. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I think, like, going back to and the, he And he started writing a novel. Our oldest yeah. started writing a novel, yeah. and it's a good one. I'm really proud. I'm really proud. <laughs> and so I think that going back to the things that we talked about in the last episode, like um, replacing those like consumption type activities with creative activities, I think is super healthy for for our kids. I think it's super healthy for us. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Okay. So that is kind of what we've been implementing as a family, but I know people listening may want to hear about specifics. Like if you were going to go to a seminar about which this is not a seminar, just being honest, we don't have those kind of resources or expertise to probably do a seminar. But um, as far as like the nitty gritty of how do we protect our kids? How do we set boundaries for them? Because I know the big three are probably gaming social media, and then porn are the things that I think most parents are probably really concerned about. There may be more than that, um, but they're probably all related to those in some way. Do you want to talk about some of the challenges that you've been thinking through and some of the changes you made to our internet system and stuff? Sure. So um, so one of the things with, with technology is like, first of all, there's like so many different devices on the network and there's so many different ways to get stuff on those devices, whether it's apps or if it's the internet or like, but like a browser or whatever, like there's a lot of different avenues to get to whatever. Um, and there's a lot of different apps to <laughs> handle different parts of that. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing I've done is, is put a, um, a web filter on our network so that basically it blocks anything. I, I don't want to come into our network or to leave our network. Um, and I, I have a, a a background in, in IT stuff, uh, probably 
decade ago now, but <laughs> uh, so I knew I knew the kinds of tools that were out there, and I was like, I need to get one of those for our home. Uh, I got four teenage boys. This is gonna. Yeah, but I thought you already had one, and then one day you realized that maybe it wasn't enough. How did you realize right. that? So, so originally we used Open DNS, and I think maybe um, Andy Crouch may have talked about that in his book as well. Um, we used that, which is um, basically what it does is it it's an alternative addressing system, so that um, so that when you ask for a certain website, Open DNS can tell it that it can't go there. But the network has to be using OpenDNS. And I found out that the default setting on phones um, is, to, is to use Google's DNS, not OpenDNS. And so if you go on our network with a phone, it's not even used, it's not even being, it's not using the same system at all. And there's a lot of little things like that where you have these different devices with different settings and stuff. And so I needed something where I could, um, like basically I don't have to worry about setting up a bunch of specific settings on every single device. <laughs> Especially because as a um, as a game developer that works on a ton of different types of mobile devices, we have so many devices in our home. Like even if I had perfect maintenance on my kids' stuff, I have like I don't know ten more devices in my office that of all different shapes and models and everything else that have the same sorts of uh, avenues to to get to things. And and so I wanted a solution that would be at the top level of things and kind of basically put a wall up on our network to let things through that I wanted through and to not let things through that I didn't want through. So that, so that's, that's why I went, I went with that. I stopped using open DNS, um, cause it just, it lets way too much through, um, and doesn't have as much control as I like. Um, and so now I think I'm using a, a Sophos, um, UTM, uh, universal threat management. So mm-hmm. I put that on our network and, um, I like it a lot better. It gives me a lot more control, like I was used to as a as an IT manager back in the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like when we talk about this stuff, that I need to keep making caveats and saying that what we do, I'm not trying to say everybody should do, or that each. I mean, each family I think needs to monitor for the things that work for them and the things that work for their family and their kids and. Each kid may have different levels of responsibility or conscientiousness or, you know, have different ways of getting into trouble or whatever. So I think knowing our kids is really important. Having open communication with our kids is really important. But even given that, I think the porn issue is a tough one because it's not like most kids are going to be like, Mom, look what I found today. I'm going to show it to you, you know. So and there's so much shame that can go with that. But I do think having open communication with our kids where they can come to us if they find things that they're not supposed to find or having their devices out in open spaces, not behind mm-hmm. closed doors so that shame is not going to get a little foothold in the door or secrecy in our homes. Um, and that, so that's something that we try to do. Although now with virtual schooling this year, we've had to like separate kids into different rooms sometimes so you know there's always times that it doesn't happen but for the most part we do try to do that I know social media is a big thing and we have boys and for our boys at least it really hasn't been a big deal like it's not something that they've really even wanted to do that much um we do have like texting Facebook messenger that and we monitor who they who they are talking to 
on there. And some of that has actually been really good because now they're in communication with like our family members and, you know, they can like message their grandparents back and forth without having to go through me. And so they're forming their own little relationships with them. And so that has been really sweet. But I know some teenagers, that's a bigger deal. And for girls, especially, I think social media can be a really, really big deal. And you can kind of feel left out if you don't have it or if you don't have all the right ones, because you know, TikTok is the thing now, Snapchat, like Facebook is for old people. And so, I mean, those kinds of things continue to change, but each of those platforms is different to monitor as well. Or having open passwords so that you can get on your kids' stuff and see what they've been doing. But I know Snapchat, all the stuff disappears in 24 hours. So you have to be on that and that can be overwhelming. So for our family so far, our kids don't really have much social media. And so we're just kind of navigating that as we go, as they get older and, and as it's something that they're wanting more as well. But from a counseling perspective, I think it's really, really important, especially for teenagers, to have communication with their friends. And one of the things I've seen a lot happen in family stuff over the years is that it's easy to yank the phone when your kids are in trouble The problem with that is that peer groups are really important during the teenage years, and especially, I would think, during pandemic time when they may not be seeing people as much as they usually are anyway. Um, So then it feels like a double punishment when you can't communicate with your friends anymore either. I'm trying to be cognizant of that as my kids grow older, that I'm not like taking away all forms of communication from them or that we're figuring out ways that they can communicate that we feel safe about. And, and that changes year to year with different technologies that are coming open. So I feel like it's a dance that we're going to have to get good at but change over the years. Because as one graduates, the other one will still be in elementary school. So who even knows with him? So. Yeah. Well, I think like I think like your whole, what you were just talking about, about communication and keeping that open with your kids. Like I think that's more important than like the technology that I put in place. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the stuff that, that we put on our network is like, like a base level like this is this is the kinds of stuff we want to come into our home but then at the top level like you you've got to have that open communication with the kids so they first of all they understand where we stand um and like kind of going to the social media thing like our our kids our oldest is not really on social media but it's the whole time we've been honest about like well this is what social media is for this is the way it can um it can work and um this is the, this is the kinds of new struggles that will give you once you have it um, and so I think like just staying on top of, of, of the things that are going on in our kids' lives and uh, being open about our own struggles with technology mm-hmm. um, and, and I think makes it really very real for them in a way that's not like we're trying to do this because we're, we're just trying to be hard on you or we don't trust you or whatever. It's like, no, we do some of the same things in our own lives because we don't trust ourselves. Like, right. But we put these, these rules in place. We put these tools in place. We put... Um, we have this perspective on technology because of the experiences we we have in our own lives, um, and we think this is a healthy way for you to to use technology to live with technology. Yeah, I feel like we sound super extreme, but Andy Crouch was more extreme. I just want to say. <laughs> so if you go back to last episode, we are not that extreme. But the other thing that I think is important to be thinking about as well is. Um, 
that the games that our kids play, we try not to let them play things that are going to be open for other people to be able to communicate with them, like strangers and stuff like that. And we've always been really careful with that, kind of like just like social media. Um, And maybe I'm a little fearful because of the kind of job that I have. (laughs) But there's so much about being groomed and not even knowing who your kids are talking to out on the internet. And so we've tried to be really careful with that and talk to them about that as well. Like, if somebody messages you when you're playing a game, do not talk back to them. If anybody says a word that you don't like on there, you need to come and get us or whatever. And so we try to limit that where they are only playing with their friends or like closed kinds of things, or at least that we're in the room and can see what's happening when they're playing those kinds of games as well. Because I think a lot of the internet games, I mean, you don't have to be on social media to talk to people. It used to be chat rooms. Now it's like gaming where you can talk to other people. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about that. I would say just the the flip side of that is like my brother lives uh, in Slovenia and Europe and being able to play uh, our my sons can play with his his son uh, on Minecraft and they can enjoy a a afternoon together playing a computer game halfway across the world, which I think. It's like the flip side of things is like yeah. you're able to communicate with people that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily have a relationship with. And, and our, the cousins are able to hang out together and enjoy each other. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, that, that I think it's, it's good to keep in mind, like there are certainly advantages to it. It's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. It's just making sure, as, as Andy mentioned in his book, of keeping things in its proper place. Like there are great things about uh, the technology we have today, but making sure to, to, Keep them great and and not, not let not let them become um, idols or, or things in our lives that that run our lives rather than we rather than us using them. So going back to something that you said earlier, either in this podcast or the last one, was about modeling it for our kids, and uh, I feel like mostly you do a really good job of that, um, like closing the door at the end of the day of your work and. Uh, not going back down there to check your computer a lot and being wise. I feel like even how much you're on your phone. And uh, (laughs) I have a really hard time with that. Like, I think my kids see me on the phone a lot, like a lot. And they don't always know what I'm doing on there. Like, I'm not on Facebook all day. I'm texting people. I mean, I'm getting like work emails, regular emails. I feel like I'm communicating all day, every day. And some of that might not even be healthy. I don't know. But uh, I'm listening to podcasts. Sometimes I'm I've been listening to I've been listening and look and reading books on my phone because it's easier than going to the library sometimes. Although I like holding a paper book better. So anyway, over the weekend, this is so dumb, but I'm I'm just putting it out there because we're talking about the reality of all this, and so this isn't just about our kids. This is about us as parents as well and how we're modeling it. I've been spending a lot of time on social media, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the day off and not spend a lot of time on social media, and I downloaded a game on my phone. Uh, I don't even know if I should say the name of it. It's not a bad game. It's a fun game, but it was 20, and I don't know if you guys have played that or not, but it's like such a simple game, and I got addicted to that thing, and about four hours, 20, 24 hours later, I don't know how many games of it I'd played. I think I played it all day yesterday. I noticed that I was playing it a little bit this morning before I got the boys up. I was like, I meant to sit down and do my Bible study in the afternoon. I was playing that game and listening to podcasts instead. And then finally, I 
deleted it off my phone this evening because I was like, what in the world? Like, I have no self-control at all. And my my poor children, I'm expecting them to have self-control. I don't even have self-control. No wonder they want to play games all day. <laughs> so I think, you know, you have better self-control than I do. But if we have that hard of a time, and my prefrontal cortex has been developed now for many, many years, then how much harder must it be for our kids? And so that's part of the reason we're helping them set up good patterns so that when they're older, then hopefully they do have self-control and they can say, you know, I'm spending too much time on this and I don't think this is good for me. I'm going to get rid of it. So. I didn't have a problem with that game mainly because I did not enjoy that game. (laughs) Solitaire. Uh, Yeah. That's your game. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Minecraft, if you have more free time, but you don't have a lot of time. Yeah. So as our kids are growing, as time moves on, and hopefully we're coming back out of the pandemic, as our kids are going to be doing more online for school and everything, what are some of the challenges that you see coming or any any thoughts or concerns you might have on the horizon or the things that we need to be thinking about? I think it's just... Um... Always just staying in touch with what our kids are up to when it comes to devices and things because, um, like, two things are happening. One is technology is changing and uh, the kinds of things you can do with technology are changing. Um, uh, And secondly, uh, our kids are getting older and the types of things that they uh, enjoy doing now are not going to be the things they enjoy doing with technology two years from now. And and so I think it's just a lot of... um, Open communication with our with our boys as they're as they're growing and and um, seeing what they're interested in and encouraging the things that that are creative and and that they're able to do with technology and um, and helping them um, with boundaries on things that kind of subvert who who they want to be as men. So uh, I think it's just uh, kind of keeping our finger on the pulse of our own family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And from a relationship perspective, I think something that I kind of want to keep my finger on or my pulse on for me, for you, for our kids is um, making sure that our technology promotes relationship rather than taking away relationship or keeping us from relationship. Because I think our phones can provide a form of communication and that can be really good like what you're talking about where we can reach out to people that we might not be able to talk to otherwise or check in on friends who are social distancing or whatever um but then at the same time I think sometimes it can be an easy way to not have to interact or to be a time suck (laughs) and uh, I went to a conference years ago a few years ago where they were talking about how brains of younger people are changing and like literally some guys don't know how to date now because they've spent their time gaming and nobody taught them how to take a girl on a date and so they're using tinder and hooking up instead because they literally don't know how to have a relationship and so i want i want us to be able to raise our kids in such a way that they can manage technology and also have real face-to-face relationships with people that are healthy so All right. Well, thank you, honey, for being on the podcast and, you know, being supportive and (laughs) sharing your thoughts. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Hopefully something somewhere was useful. (laughs) 
Well, friends, starting next month, I'm going to be back to some of my regularly scheduled programming, and you can look forward to a biography episode next time. I'm so excited about it. It is such a good story, and I cannot wait to share it with you. You can follow PRN on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and you can find the podcast on almost any podcasting app. Well, that's all for this podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler, PRN. Pause, renew, next. Podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey.